and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So for those who do not know me, my name is Matilda. I'm the other half of Terry. We've been married for 36 years. But I've come to understand that there's another couple here who's been married longer than we have been. We are not the oldest one. Jenny and Phil. How many years? 39. 39. Wow, congratulations. (laughs) They say that um, when you've been married for a while, you tend to... How long have you been married? Oh, okay. (laughs) Oh, wow. So you are the longest married couple in this church. (laughs) Okay, they say that when you've been married for a while, you tend to look alike. (laughs) No, that's a lie. That's a lie. (laughs) What I want to know is what the definition of being married for a while. What is the definition of a while? How long, how long is a while? (laughs) That's it. Never going to look like each other in my situation. (laughs) Okay, turn with with me to Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Let's just pray before I go on. Father God, I thank you for this afternoon, that you have brought us here this afternoon to receive from you. I ask that your Holy Spirit speak to each one of us, Lord Jesus Christ. I surrender this time to you, and I surrender this message to you, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe all of us are here, not just for the fellowship and food after this time, right? I believe you are all here because we want to worship God, because we want to grow in God, because we want to seek God for what he has for each one of us. So, is it possible for us together with the Holy Spirit to return to the burning passion for God to make a difference in our world through us? Is it possible? I believe it is. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2, that on the day of Pentecost, only 120 believers were gathered in one accord in the upper room. They prayed and they waited for the Holy Spirit to come on them. The Holy Spirit that was promised by Jesus Christ to come, that will come on them when they wait. So in obedience, they waited. And during those days, their world was not too different from our world. 
The Roman Empire at that time was a godless government. There was corruption within the system, there was immorality. The religious people were seen, I suppose the Pharisees, they loved to be seen, they loved to be respected, they loved to be put on a, high, on a pedestal because of their knowledge of the scriptures. But even then, at that time, there was idolatry, there was witchcraft, and that was a normal way of life. The true believers in Jesus Christ were ridiculed, they were opposed, they were oppressed, and they were rejected. Is it too different from what we are living in today, the times? Is it very different? I don't think so. Because we see so many of those things happening right now. Let me turn this page. Okay. But these 120 believers, which included the disciples, they decided to, to obey God. So they waited for the Holy Spirit. They prayed together, they supported each other, and they waited. And they were the ones that turned their world upside down. That's what they are known as, the people who turn the world upside down. For me, it's they are turning the world the right side up. That's what I see it as. So can we do what they did? Can we make a difference in our own world to see things change around us? What was the journey of the disciples to get to the place of being in the upper room? What was their journey? What was their testimony to be where they were at that time? To find out what they did, let's start at the very beginning. It's always a good place to start. <laughs> let's turn, turn with me to Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Now, these two brothers were obviously, these two, four of them, these two sets of brothers, they were, they were obviously, had their own business being fishermen, being successful in their own business, and yet, when Jesus called them, they just left everything. They didn't know where they were going, they didn't know how they were going to live, but they just left everything. And then a little further, it says in Mark 2, verses 13 to 14, it says, once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Levi, the tax collector, was despised by everyone. But he had a steady job, a regular income. Jesus called him to follow him, and he left the familiar life for an unfamiliar life. He stepped into the unknown. 
from the moment all these men stepped out, they knew within themselves that they will depend on Jesus for the rest of their lives, for everything, for the direction in their lives, for everything. But the Bible also says that there was one other person in the Bible who led a good life. He too wanted to do something for God so that his eternity is assured. He was a very wealthy person, the kind of person who was very nice to others, and you would speak well of them, of this person. In Luke chapter 18, verses 18 to 22, it says, a certain ruler asked him, that's Jesus asking Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and your mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. He had everything, but the love of money held him back from totally following God. The title of my message today is, Am I a Follower of God? Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? For this rich young ruler, money had become his idol. He was a good person. He honored his parents, didn't gossip, did not steal, he did not kill, he did not commit adultery, but money. That was the one thing Jesus was putting his finger on. And this man couldn't separate himself from money. Now all of us has something we hold on to. It could be our jobs. It could be our time on the computers or on chat groups. It could be something God is telling us and putting his finger on. What is that in each one of us? What is God telling you that I want you to let that go, to pursue me? I don't believe God is telling each one of us to just leave our jobs and just wander into the darkness and just go. But there is a calling on each one of our lives. Every one of us is called. Our journey in this life as believers does not stop because we say we believe in Jesus Christ. It does not stop because we know we are saved. Our journey is a lifelong journey of following Jesus in obedience. You know, what I'm preaching today is also a message for myself. It's not just for everyone else. It's also a message for me. What is the thing that I have to deny? Because I know that 
Even the word of God says that we are called individually. We are all called for something. God knew before we were born that he would create us to do a specific thing with our lives to bring him glory. When Jesus called his disciples, he did not just tell them, follow me. Follow me with your minds. Follow me with your words. Follow me maybe with your hearts. And you'll have a smooth, comfortable life. The wealth, all the wealth in the world, no problems. Just do what you please, but know in your minds that you are following me. He never said that. Most of the time when we say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, yes, I'm going to do something for him, you do not know what's going to happen the next day or the next time. You do not know that. But you decide to follow him anyway because your faith is on him, not on the things that you see around you that can keep you safe. Your faith is on him. The journey you take will have its ups and downs. It will have its battles and victories. But if we allow ourselves to depend on him alone, he will not fail us. When Terry and I were called to set up a church overseas, the kids were young. At that time, we did not know what it is to start a church overseas. We did not know that. But we just stepped into the darkness. We sold everything. I had my own secretarial business that I gave it away to someone else. He had, he was, he was teaching in school. He just gave that up. And we just took our children and went there. But along the way, we had so many confirmations from different ministers telling us what we are doing and where we are going is what they believe God wants us to do. We just left everything, but set up the church. He taught at the international school. I was teaching English to Taiwanese. And we had the church. We ran the church and we were on call 24 hours a day. There's so many people who came in between to our lives for prayer, for something. We didn't know where we were going. We didn't know why we were there at that time. But God just gave us the strength and the boldness to carry on day after day to do what he wanted us to do. And even though in the standards in that country we were living under the poverty line, but we never went without. We never went without. The rent was paid, the car was bought, and we ran the car, picking people up for church, bringing them home, feeding them. We never went without. See, the word that Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishes of men. The word that changed the lives of those disciples was the four-letter word. The four-letter word that says, make. Anyone can say that they are followers of Jesus Christ, 
but not everyone will allow him to make them. The invitation to follow Jesus Christ is not for the disciples and for the leaders and the pastors. The invitation to follow Christ is for each one of us. We are all called to follow him because he wants us to be made into his likeness. In Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 35, it says, Then he, which is Jesus, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. He didn't specifically say, if only the 12 of you follow me, I will, I will save your life. He said, if anyone, he was inviting everyone to himself, and the same invitation is for each one of us here today. If anyone here would follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Because when we do the following, he will do the making. It's always when we do the following, he will make us. Each one, he's got a plan for each one of you. It's not, your pla it's not an identical plan. It's, not, it's an individual plan for each one of us. Giftings that he's given us is different. Your gifting is not my gifting. My gifting is not your gifting. But he needs those gifting. That's what like the talents that he gave to those three people. One, he gave one talent, another three, another five. But it's what you do and how you follow and how, what you surrender to him is what he'll make use of. And the talents come out from there. He'll make use of and add on more when you're faithful. So how do you make this happen? How do we make this happen in our lives? It's by following him, embracing his purpose, embracing his mission, allowing him to change us from the inside. There's a lot in me that needs to be changed continuously. And Jesus' purpose and mission is shown in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. This was after Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert, and then he returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then he went to church on the Sabbath. He took the scroll, unrolled it, and read, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was, he said, it's been fulfilled that day. That was his purpose, that was his mission, to come here on earth as man. And he told the disciples, the 12 of them in Matthew 10, 78, he told them, and he's telling us today, as you go, Preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, 
raise the dead, cleanse those who, are, who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Don't ever think that you're not ready. Don't ever think that I'm too young. I've got this to do and I've got that to do. I've got, a work, I've got jobs. I've got bills to pay. Don't ever think that you are not ready. He knows our flaws. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our insecurities. He knows our strengths. And yet, he chose us before we were born to do a specific thing. And he still has that desire for each one of us. You know, each of us has a different story as to how you got to be here in this church today. But we are here because of him. He changed the course of our lives. He changed circumstances so that we are here today. But this is not where we park ourselves. God has brought us as a group of people from all walks of life, from different backgrounds and experiences to come together as a body of believers. Because not only is a calling individual, a calling is also on a church. You will realize your individual callings when you are faithful in what the calling is here because there will be people supporting you, encouraging you to go forward, to keep pushing. Pastor Dave has been speaking quite a bit about seeing these neighborhoods come alive in God. Every week, we pray for the neighborhoods. We pray for people to just keep walking into the church. There's so many houses all around us. We want to see this, people, this place turned upside down for Jesus Christ. That vision sits so well with me because I want to see that happen too. And one of the things I, I do is to try and be here at 3 p.m. to pray for 10 minutes or so with the group for this neighborhood, for the service, to see these people come alive to see our church being so alive for others. That's why we are here at three o'clock and on Monday night, the first Monday of each month at 6.30 in Blacksland. We give up our time, things that we want to do, we just give it up just to go there and pray. There are two other churches who joined us last month and the next one is tomorrow night at 6.30 at Blacksland. God sees the faithfulness. Sometimes you may say, but I've been doing the same thing over and over again for so long, I've not seen anything. We've got to ask ourselves, are we faithful in not all areas that God has called us to be? Are we supporting what is the mission and the vision of this church? Are we denying ourselves time so that we can be with God has spent the time with God. You see, when the disciples prayed together, that was collective prayer. They were, 
in one accord. That means they had the same vision. And after the Holy Spirit came on them, it says in the word that the prayer was so powerful that when 3,000, 3,000 souls were added to them that day, 3,000 souls came to the church. So there were 3,120 people in the church in one day because they waited on God, because they were obedient, because they had the same vision. But because of that, these 120 went out with so much boldness. It starts from here, being faithful in the little things. And God sends you out. You are bold. You don't, do not know where you're going. You do not know the next day what's going to happen. But when you walk in him, you walk in a new boldness that comes on you. You're not afraid. And that's what these 120, there was persecution all around them. You see how they died, how they were imprisoned, how they suffered, how they were shipwrecked. But they just shook it off and they just kept going. Because there's only one thing that God wants for us is to be obedient to him so that eternity is ours. How badly do you want to see revival happening? Do you want revival? I'm not a good speller today, but how do you spell revival? Anyone know? True, that's one way, but I spell it differently. I spell it S-A-C-R-I-F-I-C-E. That's revival. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's revival. You know, in this room alone, I see people who will be going to preach to other nations. I see people who will start their own churches. I see people who will reach people in their place of business, in their homes. Not everyone will be sent overseas. Not everyone will become missionaries, but you are missionaries in where you are. I see so much potential in this room. Songs that will be written, that will change lives. People will be drawn to God because of those words that speak into their lives. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.